0: Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by GrowMark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host guests and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading.
1: Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen.
0: Well, we saw soybeans give back much of the gains from Monday during Tuesday's session. While the wheat trade rallied a little bit, corn was largely caught in the middle. Cattle and hogs had a mixed to lower day as well as these markets race towards the Christmas holiday. We're going to talk about what's moving in the markets and more here today on Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Great to have you along for the conversation. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Coming up, we're going to get some market perspective here as we near the end of the year. Matt Bennett from agmarket.net is expected to join us here uh, in segment two and three today as we discuss what is moving in these markets or what is not moving in these markets. Uh, look forward to getting some common sense perspective from Matt Bennett here as we are working through today's program and nearing the end of the year. Of course, Christmas coming up next Monday, and then you'll follow that up with New Year's uh, right around the corner after that. There's already a lot of traders that are seemingly out of this market and the volume uh, can get kind of thin here during this holiday period. I'm sure we'll touch on that more coming up on today's show. Again, soybeans, bean meal largely uh, were the two markets that were exhibiting downward pressure. Better forecast for South America in terms of rain in Brazil. Uh, That's something the traders are watching closely. We'll no doubt talk about that. Wheat though found a decent bid on Tuesday, so. Uh, some things to unpack here. We're going to take a look at it again, coming up with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net here in just a little bit. First up, though, let's uh, get a little bit of market perspective, shall we, with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. I talked to Arlen around midday on Tuesday, and we discussed some of those moves in the grain trade, which, uh, you know, soybeans largely, once we got down about 15 cents or so, didn't move a whole lot uh, from that point on the day Tuesday. We touch on some of the reasoning behind the moves in the grains. We look at the corn market as well. Looks like open interest uh, is picking up maybe a little bit or funds getting uh, short more in the corn market. We're going to talk about that. We also get some thoughts on the livestock trade as uh, cattle were pushing higher before midday but then kind of gave things back. We discuss all that more here with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stonex, starting with the soybean and the wheat trade on Tuesday.
2: Soybeans getting under some pressure today because of good rains in the forecast for dry areas of center-west Brazil continuing to move forward in that forecast. Uh, In fact, we're looking at a chance for thunderstorms to start rapidly increasing across that region, scattered in nature, but filling in some holes uh, as we get into tomorrow and over the next five days. Some areas will have maybe up to four inches or more of of rain with more coming in that five to 10-day outlook then as well. So that is improving. There's still going to be some pockets that are going to miss out, and we still anticipate that production estimates will continue to trend lower. But thus far, we're not seeing any evidence that that's necessarily going to translate into increased demand for U.S. soybeans sufficiently to justify rationing demand with higher prices. Uh, We've seen a little bit of a bounce here today, some logistical issues around the Black Sea and the Red Sea certainly being a factor there um but uh, overall this these markets are just kind of drifting into the holiday period now
0: the core market i noticed open interest uh looked to expand i think a little bit yesterday i'm wondering are are managed money trying to add to some of their short positions in this core market right now arlen
2: well that seems to be the trend right now of really kind of uh still holding kind of a negative attitude toward corn. What we're seeing is the charts starting to break down again, the challenge some of the lows. And if you look at where the, the December contract went off the board versus where the march was at, that suggests that we have some risk of the march falling down toward that 456 area to close that gap on the long-term continuation charts. And that's what the funds are trading right now, regardless of the fundamentals, is kind of trading those technical signals. And, And and a lot of times when farmers see the big carry in the market, meaning a big premium in the deferred contracts, they think, oh, that's friendly. That means prices are going to be going up to that level. But no, actually, longer term, that's bearish, meaning that as each contract expires, then they all ratchet down and trade down to that level or lower. Um, And so that's more of a bearish sign in the markets when you see that kind of carry And so that's opportunities a lot of times to take advantage of that if you have deferred pricing up, um, can do some deferred pricing even on new crop for the following year.
0: Arlen, in the livestock trade, kind of a mixed bag in cattle and hogs on Tuesday. Cattle were pushing higher, but kind of pulling back near midday. Any thoughts in the protein sector?
2: Yeah, the cattle market's showing some signs that maybe we've put in the bottom for once. And we saw some encouraging trade the last couple of days. Today, really struggling to sustain that. Part of that is because we do have a cattle on feed report coming out on Friday and the holiday period in here. One of the real concerns going forward is we've had a problem with demand for the lower quality cuts Um, what you find at fast food restaurants. Ribs, for example, they have had good solid demand. What happens after the holiday if we lose that demand for those higher middle cuts? And so that's a little bit of concern for the market. I think we want to see answers to before we uh, get too excited about a rebound here. And so market kind of chopping sideways and consolidating through the holiday period perhaps.
0: And once again, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joined us for our midday commentary on Tuesday. Always good to get perspective from Arlen as to what is happening in the market trade. So take a look at weather uh, here for the um, midweek period. Things pretty calm if you're in the center part of the country. Uh, Really got high pressure kind of settled in over the plains in the mid-south here, maybe a little chilly for portions of the southeast as uh, the early week cold front kind of moving through, seeing temperatures uh, a bit warmer in Montana than it is in parts of Georgia and Alabama on Tuesday and into Wednesday, so that's kind of interesting. We are seeing a cutoff low in the west coast, and we've been seeing some activity on the east coast here. It's largely moved off and out of the country here at midweek, so uh, overall, things looking relatively quiet. We are watching the potential Uh, models are having trouble deciding how storms are going to develop here, but there could be some snow as we get into uh, Christmas week. So keeping an eye on that for portions of the Midwest. But overall, temperatures are forecast to be above normal through the end of the year for much of the plains and the Midwest. Meantime, South America, of course, we're keeping our eyes on what the weather models are saying for Brazil the Euro models uh, looking the wettest out of the two, the Euro and the GFS. And Brazil, it's looking like they're going to get some decent rains in Monte Grosso, Monte Grosso do Sul, and parts of uh, the northern and northeastern areas. It's just going to be a matter of if those rains verify here. And the forecast is looking like we could see decent uh, precipitation through the end of the calendar year. Argentina continues to see scattered showers and another storm system set to move through this upcoming weekend with widespread showers and frequent bursts of rain. So, Overall, things are looking pretty good in South America. It's just going to be a matter of if the forecasts do verify. I know that's one of the things we're going to talk about coming up here with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. We will get connected with Matt coming up on the other side of this time out as you are joining us here for Market Talk today. We'll be back with a look at what's happening in the commodity market. Some more with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net on the way right after this.
1: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen.
0: Well, as the calendar races towards Christmas coming up here next Monday, these markets are largely kind of getting into their holiday mode, but there are some different things to keep an eye on. Soybeans, of course, giving back a lot of Monday's gains during Tuesday's session, while the wheat trade looked to trade higher on the day. We're going to talk about all that and more and get some perspective as we near the end of the year. Joining us for a conversation, Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net. Matt, it is great to talk with you again, my friend. Hope you're doing well. And, uh, you know, largely uh, these markets, as I mentioned, it's kind of that holiday malaise time period where things get thin and uh, it it gets to be kind of a quiet time in the markets outside of a a couple uh, headlines here and there, isn't it, Matt?
3: Yeah, that's for sure. You know the thing, Jesse. A lot of times they say, "Well, you know, if the Bears get Thanksgiving, then the Bulls are going to get Christmas." And I'll tell you, the Bulls are running out of time. Uh, today was, to be honest, uh, kind of a deflating type day. I mean, you know, you come in here and, you know, you've got some losses, but then it just seemed like it just kept on expanding. You know, bean market down, you know, sixteen eighteen cents. Uh, corn market down a nickel. Um, you know, I think it's just a lack of buying coming in. There's lack of interest, if you will. It's it's a feeling that uh, basically it's path of least resistance is lower. And you've got to think that's going to be the case as far as corn's concerned, given world and US stocks. But on soybeans, you know, there's still a lot of unknowns. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in Brazil. The forecasts, I think, are a little bit more conducive to uh, production. But they, they've been so dry, you know. There's there's a lot of folks out there wondering how much damage has already been done. So it'd be very interesting moving forward how we uh, you know see these markets trade over the next uh, couple three days. Maybe maybe uh, you know maybe we'll get a little Christmas gift after all. But uh, it's going to be after <laughs> going down.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Let's let's talk on this soybean market a little bit more. You brought up Brazil weather and of course, I think that's the big driver that traders are watching and I think a lot of traders as we head towards Christmas and New Year's, they don't want to they don't want to catch themselves out of position in this market. So it feels like they're largely trying to stay out of it. We maybe took some profit on Tuesday off Monday's rally, but it just feels to me like the soybean market is largely trading fundamentals right now and uh, until we get some better more concrete type of news out of South yeah. America Matt
3: yeah for sure I mean I I think essentially what's going on here is the you know the trade takes a look at for instance what what happened last summer in the U.S. we had a lot of crop stress of course and uh, you know after a couple months of the USDA movement yields lower you come in and you know november and you move them higher and i think a lot of folks feel like it's a sign you know that maybe we're going to move higher again in january and maybe you know these hybrids were able to withstand some extreme conditions in parts of the corn belt a heck of a lot better than what they ever were used to be able to do so and that's that's true we know that's the case i mean some of these hybrids are capable you know of, of really really hanging in there especially if you catch a little bit of rain here and there but you know you look at for instance Brazil, you know, and uh, a couple of these guys have posted that uh, over 50% of the Brazil soybean producing areas have received less than 50% of rainfall since the start of the growing season. And so, you know, that's a pretty significant situation, you know, Uh, obviously we know beans are made later in the growing cycle, but you got to have pods to fill, you know? And so if you don't have really good rainfall, it's pretty tough to be able to build that big bushy plant that we want to build. And we're seeing some of these early beans coming off uh, down there and, Uh, Some of the yields don't look all that hot. So uh, there's a lot to be known yet, but the trade is just kind of in a wait and see mode. Like, hey, prove it to me you know, that this crop isn't going to be great is the way that it feels to me. And so, yeah, I don't know if we have to wait until the calendar turns. I mean, we all know a lot of traders, uh, people who, you know, are are market movers, so to speak, uh, you know, probably packed it in for the year. uh, Volumes down, uh, interest is down. And so uh, we'll just have to see uh, what happens, uh, whether anybody comes in before the end of the year or whether we have to wait until, you know, maybe some uh, new money flows in and calendar year turns here.
0: Well, let's talk about the corn market, too, and then I can kind of come back to managing our risk here before the end of the year. Corn, uh, largely, you mentioned lost about a dime on Tuesday, largely just kind of doing nothing here. I, I looked at Monday's open interest, though, and it made me wonder if some funds are, are looking to get short this corn market again. I thought they were taking positions off, but maybe not. I, I, what are you seeing as you, as you look at some of the, the funds versus the fundamentals, so to speak, in this corn market right now, Matt?
3: You know, I, I do think the funds have maybe uh, added a few shorts. I don't think that they're getting the short position they had before. And I don't think they want to do that just yet. A couple things come to mind. Of course, the Saprina crop is yet to be planted. But the problem in a lot of areas is that, you know, some of these beans had to be replanted in some of the uh, Saprina areas. Uh, some of the beans just didn't come up. They didn't have enough moisture. And so with that being the case, uh, it looks like is going to go in the uh, ground a little later than ideal. Uh, and that's very important for the Saprina crop because typically they run a, up on a dry part of the season, you know, around pollination or so. And after that, rains are usually hard to come by in that part of the world. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when you're looking at this corn market, I'll tell you what, it's um, it's just been a blasé uh, move lower it's frustrating the market doesn't seem like it wants to move you know you get, maybe get a little bit of bullish export information here and there i mean last week you know sales were strong uh, but, you know, the market just acts like it doesn't want to move. You know, it's it's almost like trying to push a, you know, a heavy ball uphill. And it's uh, right now, again, that path of least resistance continues to be lower. So, you know, we've been looking not only at old crop, a new crop, you know, old crop. You got to ask yourself, what's it cost you just to hold on to this corn? You know, you got to have a game plan because if it's in commercial storage, you know, if it's in the bin at home, it's three cents a month uh, whenever you factor in interest costs. If it's in the bin, you know, most are around four cents a month for storage. So, I mean, it's costing you seven cents a month. You know, yes, there's carry in this market, but you got to be asking for a pretty nice little uh, cash price rally um, basis should improve. But at the same time, how much of that are you going to eat up a storage and uh, interest costs? So, you know, this is a little bit tougher game that we're playing uh, as compared to the last couple of years. But uh, bottom line is my personal opinion is at 24, it looks to me like we can lock in some profit margin, whereas 23, in my opinion, is going to go down as one of the least profitable years we've had in some time because we put so much money into that crop and not enough folks got enough corn sold. I think that's pretty much uh, a foregone uh, conclusion. Most people understand that's the case. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. So, uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of growers are really going to struggle with that uh, uh, profit margin for 23 corn.
0: Do we have to be on our toes and have a plan here through the next two weeks or so, especially as we we work through the holidays? You want to pay attention, but also once that calendar flips to 2024, I'm a little worried, especially in the corn market, we could see a flood of corn, you know, being sold out of the bins on the farm. So I wonder, should we be on our toes and have a plan kind of fleshed out and ready to go here, Matt?
3: Yeah, I think we should always have some sort of a plan in place. As you know, I'm big on looking at profit margins. Here's the problem though, Jesse. Um, you know, I think a, a common conversation with a lot of growers over the last several months has been, you know, with what I've got invested in the 23 crop, I can't sell here. You know, I can't sell at 550 five and a quarter, five, you know, now four fifty. Um, and I know it doesn't look pretty. I totally get that. Uh, if it's in the bin at home, though, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea, you know, to go ahead and sell the carry in the market. You know, Dees goes off the board with a 40-cent carry to July. I mean, that's not something we've seen before. And so, you know, if that's the case, then uh, you go out there and you hedge the July What do you do? You're waiting on the elevator uh, system, if you will, the end user to want the corn more than whenever you entered that hedge. And so if basis is 20 under right now and basis goes to five over by the time July goes off, it does not matter uh, what has happened with the market. Uh, It does not matter. What matters is what's basis done. And so if basis improves while you're carrying a hedge like that, you're going to make yourself some money. And so, uh, you know it's it's one way to lock in five dollars basis the board if you you can get a rally back up to five i mean we close about a nickel under it today uh but certainly uh i would look very closely at selling the carry in this market at the very least uh bottom line it's uh you're right there's a lot of corn in my opinion that on rally type action is going to reward the market the hedge pressure could be intense because we just raised what is, according to USDA, the largest uh, U.S. corn crop we've ever raised. uh, 15.2 billion bushels. And If that's the case and there's only 20-25% of it that's already been sold, as a lot of people think, boy, there's a lot of corn to come to market still.
0: Well, once again, that is the voice of Matt Bennett from agmarket.net, and we're going to continue our conversation with Matt coming up here after the break. Let's take a look at a few of the uh, closing numbers from Tuesday's trade action. We saw Corn, March down four to a quarter, 472 and three quarters. July corn quarter was down four and three quarters, 494 and three quarters. January beans, 14 and a half lower, 13, and a half. March beans, down 17 and a half, and a half. January bean meal, down 960 a ton, 403.20. Soybean oil, January, nine points higher, 5073. March Chicago wheat, five and three quarters higher, 622 and three quarters may up five and a quarter 633 and a quarter kansas city wheat march up 13 to three quarter, 641 and a half may up 12 and a half 645 and a quarter spring wheat march up six and three quarters 728 and a quarter and july spring wheat up five and a half at 744 we'll take a look at some of the closes in livestock and continue with matt bennett on the way right after this
4: your harvest is your most important asset it's like money in the bank and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source. Your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next.
1: Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at MarketTalkAg.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen.
0: We are talking today with Matt Bennett from AgMarket.net here on the show. Matt, uh, you brought up twenty the differences between twenty three, twenty four corn uh, on the soybean side, twenty four beans. Getting uh, aggressive at all with some of those 24 beans, or does that come back to the uh, locking in inputs, et cetera, conversation right now?
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, the way I look at, for instance, 23 corn, 24 corn, first of all, just so I can talk apples to apples is that, you know, again, 24 inputs are a lot cheaper than 23 inputs. We know fertilizer for a lot of folks is pushing half uh, because anhydrous for a lot of people was less than half, whereas dry isn't quite half what it was a year ago. But when you factor all three together, in some cases, you've got a couple hundred dollars an acre for some growers of relief there. You know, and so I've been telling people don't just get Lazy about uh, your mentality being, hey, I've got all kinds of time on this new crop because inputs are cheaper. Well, what if corn goes to 375? You know, I'm not, I'm not saying it will, but what if it does? And so when I look over at soybeans, the nice thing about 23 beans is that. As we look at profitability spreadsheets, as we look at ROIs, it looks like for soybeans, a lot of growers are in a better situation than corn. We know we're not near as a capital intensive as far as putting those beans in the ground. And so those high input prices didn't impact beans as much as what they did with corn. And so a lot of growers are able, if they want to sell $13 beans still, Actually make some money there. Uh 24. You know, yes, you don't have $13 beans, but you know, the the, the trap that a lot of us fall into, Jesse, is hey, you know, beans are only 1270, 1260, 1285 yesterday. You know, I can't sell there because uh sold beans for 14, 15, 16, you know, in the last uh, year to 18 months. Boy, I mean, what, what does that have to do with selling 24 beans? I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's literally has nothing to do. Uh, what I need to think about again is my profit margins. What I have invested in this crop at APH, what kind of money can I make at 1250 out of the field? I mean, a lot of years would have given her a right arm for 1250 out of the field. And I'm not saying we won't rally. If Brazil does not get any more rain, there's 155 to 165 anywhere in that ballpark. I think that's plenty big enough that you're going to struggle to really rally this bean market.
0: Ask you uh, about the wheat markets. I know we we pushed a little bit higher on the day Tuesday. I know, though, too, one thing I've learned from you and, and other folks, if you want to gamble, trade the wheat market. <laughs> um, any yeah. notes for you in wheat as we near the end of the year? Is there anything that we need to watch there that could impact the quarter soybean markets? Uh, just, what's your thoughts overall in this wheat trade right now, Matt? You know, the wheat market
3: overall seems like it's been about as steady as any. Now, yes, we've had a couple down days here and there, but overall, it seems like the wheat market's tried to build. You know, that uh, right now this. Red Sea situation with bombings and whatnot. I mean, there's certain export paths right now that are very uncertain. And so I I think that it's maybe going to keep wheat somewhat supported because people don't know, hey, am I going to be able to get a hold of wheat if I really need to? And so, um, and and of course, you've got U.S. and global stocks as low as what, uh, I mean, not as low, but historically we usually run 50 percent or more stocks use ratio whereas that's not the case anymore and so you've got a little tighter situation as far as versus normal and in my opinion that could keep this wheat market uh supported especially with china buying u.s wheat recently i mean they've showed that maybe they want to uh not only purchase uh whether it's wheat beans you name it but maybe even stockpile some stuff and if that's the case you know, that's probably going to keep you supported. So there's been times that wheat has been the savior, so to speak, of the big three. Um, Is that going to happen this time around? Yeah, I think it's got a real uh, uh, monumental task ahead of it. Uh, I'm not saying that these other two commodities are going to fall out of bed, but it'll be very interesting to see if the wheat situation stays the way that it is. And then you get normalized rainfall in Brazil, what wins out. And I'm afraid to say that you know i i think that uh, you'd really struggle to rally corn and beans if, if brazil gets normal rainfall
0: all right let's talk livestock trade uh cattle first we got a cattle on feed report coming up here friday after the close uh, plus a quarterly hogs and pigs report too kind of interesting timing we're gonna get yep. these reports and then head into the christmas holiday weekend so we won't have a chance to trade it until next tuesday but in the case of cattle are, are you what are you watching for here are you worried that This cattle on feed number could give us something, you know, unexpected potentially here that could rile up this market towards the end of the year. What's your thoughts right now on this cattle trade, Matt?
3: You know, I think placements are going to be a fairly low number for most people that I talk to. Cattle on feed are still probably going to be relative to normal, a fairly bearish number. But, Jesse, I'm telling you, we've talked about this You know, I know there's probably some Mexican cattle that have made their way into the country. Okay. But I don't think it's a big enough number to change the overall trajectory of basically pulling this cattle herd forward. And so, you know, you've got all these heifers that instead of going out to pasture, they've gone on feed for the last. two years, basically. And I don't fault anybody. I mean, good Lord, what are they worth? You know, they're worth, they've they been worth a ton of money. It makes a lot of sense. Everyone's able to freshen up their balance sheet and uh, get in good situation from a liquidity standpoint. But what does that mean is gonna happen? And so here, here's my hypothesis and here, here's the deal, Jesse. I think once you take cattle on feed under a hundred, it's not gonna happen this month, it's highly unlikely. Uh, but sometime in the next three months, you're probably gonna take cattle on feed under a hundred. My personal opinion is within another three months, you'll be under 90. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it will happen that you're in the 80s. I just don't know how quickly. I think it could be quicker than a lot of people think, especially as I look at the rainfall this last weekend. I look at the forecast coming up this week. It looks to me like the West is going to have a little bit of healing up, so to speak. Uh, We certainly need uh, rainfall to continue steadily, uh, moisture in some capacity. Uh, But the bottom line is, is, uh, you know, that absolute, um, you know, horrific situation as far as dryness has started to subside in a lot of areas. That tells me that if pastures are going to look better, uh, you better be real careful as to assume cattle on feed won't plunge. And so I think uh, moving forward, it's going to be a big question mark for for some of these guys and gals is, you know, what do I do with a $2,000 heifer if I've got green grass sitting out my door, you know, and I, I think that's going to be a real dilemma and not everyone's going to keep them Uh, but more people will keep them than what have kept them when they didn't have the choice because they had nothing for these gals to eat. So, you know, I think overall 24 is going to be a wild year for cattle. And uh, with this economy rolling along the way that it is right now, you know, and the uh, equities Mm -hmm. being so strong, I I think that you're setting yourself up for a potentially really strong rally uh, whenever we do finally get this cattle on feed and placement situation sorted out.
0: A lot of people have been talking about uh, for cattle folks LRP and, and using that as kind of a, a sort of a floor a protection yeah. here with this yeah. volatility. Uh, do you agree with that strategy yeah, right now, Matt? I do.
3: You know, I don't sell insurance, but we've got guys on our guys and gals actually on our team that do. LRP's been a fantastic product. I think LRP can be enhanced. By a savvy uh, insurance uh, and/slash broker, you know, who knows how to basically. You know, a lot of times you've got a risk versus reward type situation in these deals. I'll take Mm -hmm. the reward that you want to hand me and then I'm going to manage the risk part of it. And so I think LRP is a great tool and I think you can make it even better if you really want to. But I'm I'm a strong believer that uh, using tools like this uh, to help our uh, situation on cattle is is a really smart thing to do whenever you've got so much risk at, at stake. Yeah, I think the cattle grower overall in the past has been one that's kind of stepped out on a limb of faith, you know, and uh, maybe didn't manage as much risk. You don't know how many guys and gals I've talked to over the last 10 years that have told me, oh, I've never hedged much at all. And I mean, looking at the size of some of these operations, it's it's shocking, you know, but I think that a lot of folks are realizing, hey, I cannot take this risk. You know, there's there's a lot of risk going on here, a lot of money on the table. And so I'm a huge proponent.
0: Well, Matt, we're uh, we're up against the clock here. Uh, we didn't get the hogs, but hogs have been depressing. So I don't know if we really want to go there or not. But hogs anyway, yeah, it's been a depressing. I feel for our hog producers. <laughs> so I'll just open it up to you for final thoughts here for today. Anything you want to mention again, reiterate uh, before we wrap up the show today.
3: Hey, you know what? Uh, Agmarket.net, of course, the website. There you can find about the conference we've got coming up. And of course, you know about the conference. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see you there. Uh, I mean, we've got a heck of a lineup, Jesse. And of course, I'm going to be biased, but I know that I've had people in the industry that have said, How in the world did you guys put together the speakers you've got? It's it's a really good deal. Dan Bosio with Ag Resource, Dave Hightower, Eric Snodgrass joe vic you know and uh, Randy dowdy you know it's gonna be kind of cool to have a have a you know a corn grower a yield chaser so to speak uh, soybeans too i mean uh, but bottom line is we've got a lot of good speakers and you can find that at agmarket.net you can get all of our contact info and research there as well
0: agmarket.net find out more about that conference coming up in nashville tennessee at the beginning of the year and of course all the info to reach out to the team and matt appreciate the time as always Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and your family, and we'll look forward to talking to you again in 2024. Absolutely, bud. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk with Matt Bennett from agmarket.net here on the show. Thanks again to uh, Matt for joining us. I didn't get to the livestock closes at the end of segment two. Let's look at some of those numbers from Tuesday. December live cattle down 37, 168.45. February live cattle down 85, 168.77. April down 82, 172.67. Feeder cattle January 127 lower, 221.90. March down 95, 223.20. February hogs 102 lower, 70.55. And April hogs down 97 at 77.60. May hogs down 50 at 84.35 on the day Tuesday. Crude oil up a little over 1%, slightly higher in the stock market as well on Tuesday's session. All right, coming up next, before we run out of time, we're going to take a look at a few ag news headlines that we're watching around the world. We'll get to that coming up after the break. Back with more Market Talk on the way, right after this.
1: Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy, just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation, this is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen.
0: And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks for sticking with us here on the program today. As we continue, before we wrap things up, let's take a look at some of the latest news headlines here on the show today. Well, the USDA reminds specialty crop growers that assistance is available for producers who incur eligible on-farm food safety program expenses. The expenses are part of the process for obtaining or renewing a food safety certification through the Food Safety Certification for Specialty Crops program. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau says, quote, the program is one of the many ways USDA helps support local and regional food systems and opportunities for small-scale producers. I'm encouraging all specialty crop growers to discover how this program can help mitigate the costs of on-farm food safety certification, meet regulatory requirements, and apply by the January deadline, end quote. Eligible operations must grow specialty crops, meet the definition of a small business, and have paid eligible expenses related to the 2023 certification. The application for 2023 closes on January 31st, and FSA will issue payments after the application period closes. For more information, growers should visit Farmers.gov. Well, the USDA's December Livestock Outlook says higher cow slaughter and heavier than assumed carcass weights will offset lower fed cattle slaughter in the fourth quarter of 2023. That will leave the beef production forecast for 2023 unchanged. Expected heavier carcasses will carry over into early 2024, along with higher cow slaughter. Fourth quarter pork production was raised 25 million pounds to 7.09 billion pounds, 2.4% higher than during the same period last year. Hog prices are expected to average $54 per 100 weight for the quarter, 15% lower than the fourth quarter of 2022. Now, also first quarter hog prices, they are lowered by a dollar per 100 weight to $56 as soft consumer pork demand is likely to persist, limiting hog price increases. Now, Lamb and mutton imports forecast are lowered in the December report compared to the previous month. In poultry, projected broiler production is adjusted higher for the fourth quarter of 2023 based on strong production in October. While ag officials in several of America's top beef-producing states say federal officials didn't properly assess the risk of disease when deciding to allow beef imports from Paraguay to resume, USDA recently ended a 25-year prohibition on those imports. The prohibition was the result of Paraguay's difficulty in ridding itself of foot and mouth disease. A severe outbreak in the U.S. has the potential to cost more than $200 billion. Many beef industry groups and some lawmakers have opposed the move, saying the risk analysis was based on outdated information. Mike Nag, Iowa Secretary of Agriculture and officials from seven other states, wrote a letter to Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack to consider pausing the decision until a more reliable risk assessment can be completed based on modern visits to Paraguay. Ag officials from Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Texas, and Wyoming all signed the letter to Vilsack. While lingering high prices are expected to take a bigger toll on the economy in 2024, CoBank says the biggest problem for farm margins heading into 2024 is the elevated cost of production. While fertilizer prices have fallen, other production costs remain high. However, ag commodities will benefit from more upside price risk than down in 2024. Global grain and oilseed stock inventories are tight by historic measures, and the northern hemisphere will likely have a strong El Nino weather pattern During the growing season for the first time since 2015, the dollar will likely continue its recent decline and global demand should return to a long-term growth trend. Also, the renewable diesel boom and the smaller U.S. soybean harvest of 2023 will drive an expansion of soybean acreage next year. Profitability for the livestock sector should modestly improve in 2024 as lower feed costs and domestic demand offset weak global exports. Well, the Farm Credit Administration received a quarterly report on economic issues affecting agriculture and an update on the financial condition and performance of the farm credit system, rising interest rates have negatively impacted many of the finance-heavy sectors, including commercial real estate, banking, and farming. While many agricultural inputs are considerably less costly than last year, profit margins for many farmers are tighter this year. Crop producers continue to see lower commodity prices, especially for corn and wheat, compared to a year ago. Further price risk stems from lower water levels and key waterways used to transport cash grains. Profit margins for some livestock and specialty crop producers are tighter due to weak commodity prices. The system reported solid financial results through the first nine months of 2023. System growth has slowed in 2023 against the backdrop of higher interest rates and tighter margins in a number of agricultural sectors. Well, the United Soybean Board engages in a number of infrastructure investments designed to keep U.S. soybean growers in a global leadership position while also benefiting transport of other commodities and agricultural inputs. USP Director and Maryland Farmer Belinda Burrier speaks to some of the latest projects.
1: The dredging of the lower Mississippi River and the amount of partnership that we have building, this increasing the depth of the river actually increases the amount of production that we can send down to the river and out export and across the world. And the second one is Port of Grays Harbor terminal expansion in Washington state.
0: These infrastructure investments by the checkoff in research, analysis, and design benefits soybean producers and other commodities too.
1: I was at both of these ports this year and have seen the investments that we have done with our partners, and it has increased their expansion of direct routes to Southeast Asia and other ports across the entire Pacific Rim. So it's really a big plus for the farmers, especially in the Midwest.
0: She says the investments have a big impact on U.S. soybean exports.
1: They sure do, and it's an increased the amount that we can ship by over 60% to other ports across the world. And that brings value back to the farm gate as far as it goes. And we can ship our product knowing that we have this support infrastructure-wise.
0: And once again, that is Belinda Burrier with the United Soybean Board, a USB director and Maryland farmer. You can keep up with the latest news from the United Soybean Board at unitedsoybean.org. Again, that is unitedsoybean.org. Or you could tune in every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on RFD-TV. We are out of time here on Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here again today. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we'll talk markets with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics as we race towards the Christmas holiday and the year end. We'll get some thoughts from Mike here as we are looking at the markets midweek. We'll do that coming up tomorrow here on Market Talk. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day.
4: Your harvest is your most important asset. It's like money in the bank, and you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source, your FS Grain Systems specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right. And you can count on FS for maintenance too. Contact your local FS company or visit fsgrainsystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next.